Hi friends, welcome to Womankind. I'm here in episode 15 and I just wanted to put a call out there to anyone who has any ideas for stories of subversion. If there's any woman in particular and she can be famous or not famous or local or whatever um, that you would like to hear more about, um, a woman who has done something subversive, meaning that she um, has done something you know, to go against the grain of society and to make things better for the world today, just let me know. Shoot me an email, womankindpodcast at gmail.com, or go to the website. There's a really easy form on there that you can just fill out and it will send it right to me, or on Facebook or on Instagram, wherever. So I'm here with my longtime friend, Jessica Decker, and we are going to talk about something that we haven't really, we've touched on, but we haven't really dug in deep with. Um, and some would say maybe that this is the toughest job out there. So Jessica is a mom. She's a relatively new mom. She has a one-year-old. And so we're going to spend all today talking about motherhood. So Jessica, welcome. Thank you, Kelsey. <laughs> <laughs> it's my radio Here voice. Here we are. <laughs> You're listening to smooth jazz. <laughs> I don't get out a lot. <laughs> Well, I'm used to talking to a one-year-old, so. <laughs> so, Jessica, I know you wanted to give a little disclaimer before you start answering yeah. questions today. So, yeah. so clue our listeners into that. I just think everybody's journey in motherhood is extremely different. So I don't want people to listen to me and be like, well, I don't think like that. I don't think it'll be like that for me. This person doesn't think that because every single mom is different. So, I'm not speaking for all moms, <laughs> just me. Just one mom. Just me. But, you know, we learn through hearing other people's stories and other people's experiences. Right. So, yeah, this isn't necessarily like the gospel on motherhood. This is how it is. Let me lay it down. <laughs> but it is one perspective. So, we will just jump right in here. So, Jessica, what does being a mother mean to you? That's a big question. Scares me. <laughs> you being got it. a mother. Um, being responsible for the outcome of a future adult, <laughs> which is stressful at mm -hmm. times. Um, my husband told me once that you're raising children to be the adults that you want to like be friends with. Oh, that's interesting. So I like that. when they're mad at you for like being like tough with them <laughs> or whatever, you're trying to like groom these children into being adult you wouldn't want to smack in the face. <laughs> <laughs> Which is that that's is a important. big job. Big yes. job. <laughs> um, so just to backtrack a little bit, sorry. Um, mm -hmm. So you have a one year old, mm -hmm. and so Evelyn, and you live. In Buffalo, New York, and Currently. will shortly be moving to California. In four days. In four days. <laughs> um, and prior to that, had you always wanted to be a mother? Was this something you always assumed would happen, or? Um... I think I did. Um, I don't think I understood how big of a job it was. Um, I think a lot of women, younger women, before they get married and before they have kids think that the fantasy of motherhood is sounds great 
And like almost like the fantasy of marriage sounds great, but then when you're in it, it's like a ton of work. And you're like, this is a lot harder than I thought it would be. <laughs> so, yes, I think I did want to be. <laughs> but were you more interested in the fantasy at the time? Or? Great question. Great question. <laughs> um, no, well, now, I always did. Now I always, you're in it. <laughs> well, too late now. Um, I think becoming a mom made me realize and look back on what I thought was motherhood is not actually what motherhood is Mm -hmm. in the way that I grew up so like cookie cutter until like I was 20 and I had like the house in the suburbs and parents and twin brothers and a dog and they went to soccer on the weekends and church on Sunday and so like in my mind I was like that's motherhood like that cookie cutter is what I need and what I want and like if I don't have that exact image, I shouldn't be happy. But then when you get married and you are in real life, you're like, oh, maybe that's not actually what I wanted. And all of that cookie cutterness doesn't equal actual happiness because you're trying to like achieve someone else's life. So you really have to figure out like, what do you want? Which is a hard question. (laughs) Yeah, that is a really hard thing to do. And I think part of it is, like, when you have little kids, when you ask them what they want to be when they grow up, most often they tell you exactly what their parents do as a Mm -hmm. job. Or, you know, they want to be a vet because they took their dog to the doctor once. Yeah. Um, And they also like to pet dogs and don't realize the other things you have to do as a vet. Like kill them. Right. (laughs) I was going to say that, but I held back, but you got it. Um, And so I think maybe... That's kind of the same thing. Like, you don't understand what marriage is. You don't understand what motherhood is until you experience it for yourself. So you only have the models that are around you, which are not necessarily what you want for your own life. And also, do you actually know what your parents' marriage was like when you were a kid? Probably not. Yeah, probably not. Like, you have this image until you're older that, like, your parents are the answer to everything, and they don't have problems, and they... I mean, at least I did. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's That's a lot, a lot, a lot. <laughs> yeah, my husband grew up where he did not have that image of his parents. But I think for me, I definitely was like, my parents knew everything and they never thought about money. And they, But like, obviously that's not true. Mm-hmm. I mean, for some people, I guess the model they have is what they don't want. But yes. that's still, I mean, it points you in a direction, but it still doesn't determine yep. what it is you do want. Yeah. It's like you have to just, like, look around you and learn from, like, all the sources you have, mm-hmm. not just, like, the one you grew up with. Absolutely. And then make up your own. Yeah. So what does it mean to be a mother in 2017? Do you think it's a different time now to be a mother versus, you know, 10, 20, 30, 50 years ago? I think it's more empowering on one hand because we, social media plays a huge part in motherhood where obviously it wasn't in the past and which is a good thing and a bad thing because you can have more connections to people and like in a positive way where you don't feel as lost where I think motherhood maybe in the 50s and 60s, like, they didn't feel like they had that outlet. Like, you weren't allowed to not be happy. Where now, mothers are like, yeah, it's 
fucking hard. And can I swear? We try not to. <laughs> it's but... real tough. <laughs> and, and um, it's like even just when you're a new mom, you're not used to like the hormones and like why do I feel so sad? Well, maybe because you don't sleep ever. <laughs> like so having that outlet where you can talk to other moms and like look things up and read articles about motherhood that I think is very helpful because you're like, Oh, this is how I feel. I'm not alone. Nice. Where yeah. in the past they just thought they were alone and mm-hmm. they didn't think they could even talk about it. Right. So now it's more of like a community aspect right. to it. Right. But also it's negative. Because <laughs> okay, there's a tell, negative. Tell us why. <laughs> there's also a negative side, which is the guilt and like everything's more extravagant now because you're like literally a publicist for your life now mm-hmm. with social media. And it's like, look at how awesome my child's birthday party was. And like, you only post the good things. And like, so as a mother, you could look at that and be like, wow. I wish my life was like that. My child sits there and cries or I planned this entire birthday party and my child just wanted to cry the whole time. But like if you only post good things, then mothers don't realize that it's not the truth. It's not the true like actual image of motherhood. Mm-hmm. And I mean that's true of anything on social media. Oh yeah. Like I mean there really isn't I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know. This is a really big topic to think big about. One, big one. Yeah. Like, I guess if you're having like a really bad day or something really awful happens, why would you post about it on social media? Yeah. Because if you do, people are like, oh, you just want attention. Right. And then, I don't know. So if you post only the good things, then it's just an in- inaccurate picture of what your right. life is really like. Right. And also there is a lot of like negative stuff out there, mm-hmm. like in anything. Mm-hmm. Where if you do read too much into stuff, people are, like, judgmental of how you're a mother. But at the end of the day, it's your child. So whatever you do, as long as you're trying your best, that's all you really can do. You can't, like, live for other people because they're not the one raising your child. Definitely. So let's talk about, so you are a stay-at-home mom. Yeah, um, recent. So as of recently, you were working... Mm-hmm. at one point and now as of late you are a stay-at-home mom so tell us what a day in your life as a stay-at-home mom looks like well I wake up tired <laughs> <laughs> um yeah wake up tired and it's hard to like balance still taking care of yourself and taking care of another person so yeah I try to at least come up with activities so you can leave the house and feel like a human because if you're inside all day you'll go in if you're inside all day you'll go insane and I feel like that's true of anybody whether you're a mom or not right (laughs) right that is absolutely true but especially it's easy to be like well I'm exhausted so I want to sit here and do nothing and you kind of have to remember that you can't do that Right. right. And yeah, that's true of anyone. You have yeah. to get out into the world. You have to experience yeah. things or else you'll probably be depressed. Yeah. Especially in the beginning because you're so consumed with being a mother that you forget that like 
if the baby's going to cry for 10 minutes, will you take a shower? It's okay. Mm-hmm. Like, put the baby down, obviously in a safe place, <laughs> um, and go, like, take care of yourself. That's honestly the best advice I was probably ever given because you feel so, like, guilty and, like, the baby's crying. Like, it's all my fault. What am I doing wrong? And then you're also extremely tired on top of it. And you're also hormonal and you're getting over having a child, either surgery or having it pushed through you. And then on top of that, you're also like in this new dynamic with your husband. So sometimes you have to step back and be like, I just need 10 minutes to take care of me. And then I can go on dealing with everything else. Because you'll, like I say, you'll go insane. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's really good advice. Thank you. Um, <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, what are your favorite parts of being a mother? Favorite parts? It's probably hard to explain because it's like the most normal moments of your day, but it's like the way she just like looks up at you or something cute she does and like, the world could be burning around you and you just, all you can see is like this child. Yeah, that's so sweet. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. And then you get shit on. Like literally. Literal poop. Mm -hmm. And you're like, well, that moment's over. (laughs) (laughs) So it's worth it. It is. Even though you're exhausted and don't shower and you feel like you don't have your own identity you like seeing this child's face and like having all these experiences in life that are like mundane experiences are like exciting again mm-hmm. where it's like simple, simple things, but they're like the most exciting thing in this child's eyes. <laughs> and so it makes it exciting for you. I like that part. I mean, who wouldn't? <laughs> <laughs> Like, just think about one day, like, travel. Right. Like, things where you're like, oh, yeah, it's Niagara Falls. Pretty cool. Seen it 300 times. Okay, listen. Step <laughs> up Niagara Falls. People say this all the time. We, you need to enjoy Niagara Falls every time you're yeah. there. It is a wonder of the world. Breathe it in. in our backyard. Yep. But maybe you need Evelyn to show you well, that you know Niagara I mean? Falls it's is like, a wonder. It's like that stereotype of, like, childlike wonder. Right. Where it's like holidays are fun now because right. you're like living through this child. Right. So well, that that's fun. the fun part. So now what are your least favorite parts? Oh, I got a list. Yeah, let's get on the list. Um, least favorite parts? Well, I do enjoy sleep. So yeah. not sleeping. That's hard. Um, a really hard part of being a, a mom at least, I'm sure as any parent, but... Learning the dynamic, like I said, of, like, your marriage because you need your partner, whoever they are, to help you. And sometimes they don't know how to help you and you're tired and you don't know how to articulate what you actually want. And you think they should just know because you know how to take care of a child. But, like, not everybody has that maternal instinct. So you start to resent people or, like, People try to help you, but they're not helping you the way you want them to help you. <laughs> and so learning how to like 
live this new life is the hardest part, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, and taking time for yourself. Cause if you, like, I don't work right now, but I would think working full time and being a mom, like working all day, not seeing your kid all day, coming home, you're exhausted from work. Then you like have three hours of your child, but you're also married. So you can't ignore your husband or spouse. And then like that balance is hard. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. That's about it. <laughs> so what do you do then? I'm like ranting about it. Um, you just have to learn like anything, mm-hmm. I guess. You're just like thrown into it. Mm-hmm. And I think just remembering that like everybody has gone through this. Mm-hmm. Like every single person that has relationships, even single moms have probably people in their life that try to help them. I think that's comforting. And so you just have to take it day by day. Mm-hmm. Like some days are super easy and super fun. And then there's days where, or like you'll go all week without even like talking to another person mm-hmm. and you feel alone, you know, that's hard. And yeah. then you'll have great days where you're like out with your friends drinking <laughs> in the afternoon, <laughs> having a little afternoon drink. <laughs> We're not doing that right now. Nope. Nope, we're not. (laughs) So this leads into a topic that we were going to touch on, too, is what happens to your friendships, what happens to your relationships once you enter motherhood. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Looking at you, friend. What? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, I think it's growing up in general, you have to deal with this, whether you have kids or not. Um, you have like new dynamics and new, how, when you're younger, it's like your friends are your whole world. Like you could, like we went on a month long road trip. Yes, we did. (laughs) So, but like nowadays, like you have responsibilities. Mm, Do I? Could you? (laughs) I'm asking you on a month long road trip. Does Evelyn want to go on a month-long road trip? Oh, my God. I don't want to go with her on a month-long road trip. Um, But, yeah, things are are different as you grow up. You have jobs and you have relationships and you're not as, like, free as you once were. mm -hmm. So you have to learn, like, people with or without kids or married or not married, like, how do they fit in your new life? Mm -hmm. Because you're trying to figure out how you fit in your new life. Mm -hmm. And so along the way, if you're like the first one out of your friends to have kids, it's hard because you're kind of outcasted where they don't think they fit in your life anymore, but really you're like craving that connection, but they don't know that because they don't have kids. Mm -hmm. And so you don't get invited to stuff and people just think you're busy. So they don't even consider you an option. So it's, that's sad. <laughs> that, that, yeah, absolutely. But friends that do have kids get it, and they're like, let's go out because mm-hmm. we need it. Um, and then people who have families and have kids and are married don't, they are busy with their lives. So it's like, it might be like you talk once a month, and that just has to be okay. Like, you can't, like, hold it against them. And they can't hold it against you. 
but you'll honestly probably lose friends. <laughs> or you'll, it's not that you're losing them, but you're kind of just like outgrowing them mm-hmm. for the time maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you used to just like go out drinking all the time with your friends and they still want to do that, you could still do that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's probably a but lot harder you probably to do that. won't because yeah. you're so tired and you have a whole person to, and relationship to take care of. Right. So it's just kind of like learning new relationships in your life. Mm-hmm. It's hard. That's it. <laughs> so I'm going to ask, or we, we came up with some questions and comments that people often make to mm-hmm. new mothers. And so I'm going to pitch them to Jessica and she's going to respond to them. I'm going to cry. <laughs> so we might get fired up in this next segment here. Getting rowdy. Um... So, this is a question, and these, I mean, you know, people that ask these questions, they're generally people that don't have children, or they're people that kind of just don't get it, maybe fathers in some cases that just don't get it. Well, they don't, um, I think they just don't think. Right, or, or in, in some cases there are things that people ask people that, yeah, they just don't think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first question is, what do you do all day? Aren't you bored? <laughs> So bored. Um, when people ask me that, normally, I didn't realize until you asked me that, that I actually hide the fact that I don't work mm-hmm. because I don't want people asking me that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you like deflect this question if it comes I bury up. my head in the sand. Um, but if people are like, oh, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, I don't work currently. I'm a stay-at-home mom. They normally, and I don't know if I'm projecting this on myself where I feel guilty or judged, but normally there is a level of judgment because people think you're just like on vacation. It's kind of, I just thought of this where when you go on maternity leave and people are like, oh, I wish I could have six weeks off. And it's like, you're not enjoying this six weeks. Like you're either healing from a massive surgery and getting like one hour of sleep at a time and crying on the couch for three weeks also is getting intense, but you also bleed for six weeks. I mean, who wants any of that? Right. Does that sound like a vacation? And I hope that everyone gets more than six weeks. And I know that some people don't know that some people, but every mother deserves more than that. Oh my God. Yeah. I think at six weeks I was like, if I had to go to work right now, I don't know if I could, like, mentally do it. Or physically. Or physically. Yeah. But um, definitely judged, you feel, and it's like you have to, like, defend yourself, even when they're just, like, just asking because they're curious, what do you do with your day? But normally it's judged. I think a lot of the time um, when people ask questions like this, it's not, it it is pretty innocent. Like, I don't think it's coming from a place of, like, judgment or hurtfulness. But it's like you said, like, kind of adjusting to people in your life. So if you are friends with people that have children and you don't have children, I mean, I know for me, sometimes I actually really am wondering, like, what what do you do with your day? And I'm not not (laughs) saying, like, you're sitting at home doing nothing, like... It's, it is an innocent question, but there is a level of guilt or judgment that I think mothers feel when asked that question. And I think women put a lot of that guilt on themselves mm-hmm. because of like, 
pressures of society where it's like you have to be at all. But like if you work too much, people get mad at you for working too much. And they're like, don't you miss your child? Don't you miss that you like aren't there for all the special moments? And it's like, yeah, I'm sure they do wish that they could sit at home all day with their child because who wants to be at work all day and miss all those things? So that brings me to the next statement. (laughs) (laughs) I could never do that. I love to work. Yep, yep. Um, Sometimes... That wasn't me saying that. That was the statement that we came up with. Um, I think sometimes that speaks more to like other people's insecurities where they think maybe they wouldn't actually be able to be a mom full time because the hardest part for me was I really underestimated how hard it was to be home all day. I thought, oh, it's great because you're not working, but I actually miss interacting with adults and feeling like you have more of a purpose than just like getting up, change a diaper, feed the breakfast, brush teeth, take a nap, go do laundry. Like it's so routine and so mundane that you start to feel like you don't have a purpose other than to just like serve this child and serve your spouse. And I don't remember what I was saying. (laughs) <laughs> well, it was just a response to the question yeah. I could never, or the statement, I could never do that. I love to right. work. It's, it's a lot harder than I thought is mm-hmm. I think what I was getting at. I mean, so when you, so you were working and you like your job. Love it. Love your job. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to put words in your mouth. <laughs> love it. I hope they're all listening. So I that was it. hard. <laughs> like, cause I, like you love being a mother, but you also love working. Yeah. And there just wasn't room to do both. Yeah, pretty much with, like, my husband's job, it was, his job is so, the hours are so crazy and all over the place, where you really couldn't set a schedule for me to work. Right. And it's not like every week I can be like, well, I can only work these two days and not these days, but then next week I can work these days. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, like, you, that's kind of impossible to have a job like that. (laughs) Yeah. So, unless you work at, like a minimum wage job somewhere where it's flexible. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was kind of impossible to do both. Mm-hmm. And like even just over the summer, I couldn't work at all because he works 24-7. Right. So it was really like, well, I have to just stay home then. Mm-hmm. And so adjusting to that was hard because I really felt like The world was all happening around me and I was just like not a part of it. Mm -hmm. So you have to kind of learn how to like be a part of it, but still have your world too. Right. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Um, Another question that people ask, and I mean, we could go, we could have a whole episode about people asking questions of people that are just like kind of thoughtless and... Um, come off as rude a little bit, and this is one of them. Um, when are you having baby number two? Oh, yeah. I was telling you earlier today about how I was grocery shopping, and this, like, 16-year-old girl who was cashing us out looked at me and said, Oh, your daughter's so cute. When is she going to have a sibling? And in my mind, I'm like, You're rude. I don't even know you. Like, why would I tell you that? But I think people on the most part are just like, 
they they don't know what to say to someone with a child, so they think like it's their way of relating, maybe. Where they're like, oh my god, your daughter's cute. I should ask if they plan on having more. I don't know. <laughs> but it is actually kind of rude, especially because some people can't have more. Right. So you have to kind of be sensitive to that. Like some people would love more. Or maybe they just want one. Right. <laughs> and then it's right. like one's enough, so back off. It's just such a like deeply personal question right it's like you're asking a married couple I guess or not married couple a couple Mm -hmm. of like a personal decision that they make right where it's like you have no purpose asking right right and it's different if you're like close friends with someone and you're genuinely wondering these questions but like if you're at like a casual like backyard barbecue and you're putting <laughs> someone on the spot, that's right. a little bit of a different story. Yeah, especially because you don't know their background. Right. Uh, this next one is kind of a doozy. Oh boy! So you are a mother to a little lady. Sure is. And this is something that sure am people. <laughs> sure is. People say, and they will say oh boy. throughout her life. Oh, the boys are going to be all over her. Um, on one hand, I like to be rude and be like, well, maybe she'll be gay. But people don't really respond to that really well. <laughs> um, I don't like it because you're already like putting this like feminine role or masculine role on a child. And personally, I don't like that. I know some people are super into like, oh my god, he's all boy. He's going to be a lady killer. Some people like love saying that about their children. I personally, I don't like you putting those expectations on children when they're like not even walking. Right. (laughs) Like maybe let's find out who they will be first. Right. Besides... Like, oh, her only value will be what a man thinks. Right, absolutely. It's like reducing, again, as we've seen over and over, reducing a woman or a girl to the way that she looks and mm-hmm. thinking about her only in terms of how she will relate to the opposite gender. Right. Like, that's her only value, is right. how men will think of her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, what are you, you're, what you're expected to say to that is, thank you. Yeah. Not... Maybe she's gay. <laughs> I mean, maybe she will be. I mean, I'm fine with that. <laughs> then I don't have to worry about her with boys. <laughs> so the next question, well, it's like a series of questions, but again, this kind of ties into like the guilt and the judgment. And these questions, um, like if they were coming from me who has no children, I'm like literally like, what is breastfeeding? <laughs> but no, what is it? But what is it? Show me. Um, if it's coming from another parent, then I think it takes on, um, maybe making you feel guilt Judged. or judgment. Um, so like questions like, are you breastfeeding? Does he or she sleep through the night? And then this last one, is he or she a good baby? <laughs> <laughs> A lot of times when people say, is she a good baby? I say, well, I don't have anything to compare her to. <laughs> so, sure. Sure, she's um, great. The breastfeeding, best one I've had. <laughs> she's so far the best. Um, 
breastfeeding is a huge one for me because I did breastfeed up to a year and I felt like sometimes it wasn't like if I wanted to quit, I couldn't because people would judge me. Right. Where like you shouldn't be making any parenting decisions based on what other people think. But I know I have friends that did breastfeed up until a year or more. And I have friends that stopped after a couple weeks. Or I have friends that never could because it was too hard or they didn't have the opportunity or things don't go as you plan ever. And I always felt almost guilty saying like, oh yeah, I'm fine. I breastfeed up until a year. Because I felt like I didn't want them thinking I was judging them for not being able to or for stopping. And it's like, either way, your child's going to be fine. So it's just preference. And I just, I don't know, I think mothers in general have such a hard job that we shouldn't be judging each other and we shouldn't be ranking each other. Like, oh, you're a better mom because you do these things. And you're a less mom because you do these things. We should just be like, bonding together and helping each other out because there's so many people against us anyway that like we don't need to add to it and I mean there are just so many ways to do things and I do hear this I've heard like criticism between generations where Mm -hmm. like people that are our mother's age or like our grandmother's ages um, they say like oh well we didn't have car seats when you kids were little but we turned out (laughs) fine like uh-huh. Maybe it's good that there are safety regulations like car seats, oh, yeah. and maybe it's a good thing that um, I don't know. Didn't they change like pretty recently, like how long um, s- children are supposed to stay face rear facing in the car? Yeah, it's rear um, facing to two years now. Right. So I mean, those things are coming from somewhere, and they're coming from good research, mm-hmm. and or like the one. Um... People constantly be like, oh, well, we always put our kids face down. And like... Like what? When they're sleeping? Like when they're sleeping, mm-hmm. they would always put their babies on their stomachs. Mm-hmm. And it's actually extremely dangerous. And when they changed it, they changed it in like the 90s. And it actually reduced infant death up to 50%. Wow. And it's like... Even if you told me like only one out of every baby born in that year would live if you did that like that's enough right like 50 percent like i don't care if it's one percent i'm still not doing it (laughs) like right so just because like you guys did it back then doesn't mean it's okay right (laughs) (laughs) yeah so there are better ways to do things yeah um but you know like for, for example for something like breastfeeding like you can go either way, and it's yeah. fine. I mean, there are yeah. definitely different opinions on each side, but like right. you said, things don't go as planned, and you can't always do what you want to do. Or yeah, so I mean, I follow some breastfeeding blogs that are like crazy, crazy serious about breastfeeding, where they're like, "I breastfeed my four-year-old, and it's important because of bonding, and they need it." And but it's like. I almost feel the same way about like like abortion rules where it's like if that's what you want to decide that's your decision. Like what does another mom's de- like choice have to do with me raising my daughter? Nothing. So it doesn't really matter in the end. Or even like sleeping and a lot of people have opinions of 
oh, co-sleeping. And it's like super taboo if your child co-sleeps. But it's like, if that's what you want to do, fine. Right. Like, it doesn't affect me at all. Right. So, I just think we just need to be, like, more supportive of each other. I agree with that. So now, <laughs> we're going to hear more about Jessica herself. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure motherhood will come up as we're going through these questions. Sure. But um, well, now, let's hear about you. So, tell us a little bit more about who you are and what your story is. Well... I had a pretty privileged life. <laughs> I did not grow up tough. <laughs> um, I think I didn't realize how privileged until I met my husband. Because he did not grow up anything like me. Um, I grew up in like a completely white school. Suburban. Literally an island. <laughs> um a lot of people lived there their whole lives, so it wasn't very open-minded. <laughs> um, and until I moved to California, I didn't really realize how big the world was and how privileged I had grown up. When I was 16, 17 is when my mom got diagnosed with cancer. And that's kind of when I started to get a little bit more <laughs> like, oh... Life isn't all cupcakes. <laughs> right. But I didn't realize that my life was all cupcakes. I was like angsty and like, oh my God, my life's so tough. My dad doesn't love me. But really, he like did. <laughs> I mean, this is all part of growing up. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're yeah. like a typical teenage girl where you think your life is so tough, but really... It's not. I mean, yours was pretty tough when you were that age, so don't sell yourself okay. short Thank on you. that. <laughs> Thank you. But um, that was probably when my life, like, it was a whole new chapter right. in my life when my mom got diagnosed, and then she died when I was 19, which is a tough age because you're, like, just becoming a woman. You're, like, just getting out of high school, just figuring out who you are, and then when you have, like, a traumatic death to somebody that close to you, it changes everything. So it changes like how you move up forward and how you make relationships with people. And I always constantly am worried about losing people always. So you have to kind of let yourself be more vulnerable, especially as a mom. Like you love this child so much, but you always in the back of your head worry about losing them. And I'm sure all moms feel that right, way. Right. I was going to say, you don't think your yeah, mom that's felt not, that way about no, you? All moms feel that mm -hmm. way. But, like, I think losing someone young mm -hmm. makes me even, like, right. crazier Heightens about that. It. Right. So, yeah. And then I moved to California when I was 26, 25. One of those. Sure. Around there. And uh, met my husband a couple months later. <laughs> um. I just realized recently, like, how soon how you met him my life after. Was? No, how, yeah, how soon you met him May. after you moved there. Yeah. I moved in January, met him in May mm -hmm. of that year. Um, and I still, to this day, I'm like, that was the best first date I've ever been on in my entire life. Oh, so you didn't I, go on any better first dates after that? Well, I'd only been on one first date my whole life. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, it was like, when we met, it was like, normally when you go on a first date, you're like, afraid to 
be yourself and like certain things you're like, oh, I can't talk about that on a first date. But it was literally like we could talk about anything and we talked about things that were so like not appropriate for a first mm-hmm. date, but we both like didn't care. And um, yeah, it was amazing. And it was like meeting your best friend before they're your best friend. I like that. Yeah, that's how it felt. And um, we got engaged like a year later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Once you do the math, you're like, yep. whoa, <laughs> moving fast. <laughs> I'm like, people are going to die. We need to move fast. <laughs> um, and then we got married in Cabo. Cabo. Um, somebody was in my there. wedding. That, that was me. Yep. And then I got pregnant a month after getting married. <laughs> yep. I'll be honest, thought it would take more time. Wow, I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> Thinking about all yep. this. And then, oh, we moved to New York, though, in between yeah. there. Yeah, we did. We got engaged in California. And then eight months later, moved to New York, which was a culture shock for my husband. And then... Got married in October, got pregnant in November, had my daughter in August, and then a year later we decided to move to California again. So a lot has happened. Yeah, that's a lot. Yep. Maybe Here we you can, are. Maybe we can just sit still for a little. Oh, God, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So what does it mean to be a woman in 2017 and what does it mean to you to be a woman in 2017? Um, scary and empowering. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of more freedom in being a woman in this time. Like a lot of people are like, if you could go back to any like period in time, when would you go back? And I'm like, honestly, never. Because yeah, no thanks. Would you think I want to be like sold as property? No thanks. Like that's you, what it was like. Don't? I mean, maybe it depends on the property. <laughs> um, but yeah, like women and minorities didn't really have like the best time back <laughs> in the other. Generations. I mean, we're still working on it, but we've come so right. far. And that's why it's also scary because we have come so far. And in the past presidency, I was like, we're finally breaking through. And then kind of took a turn back a little. As I say, well, as Shannon said in episode two, and we repeat often on the show, progress is not linear. Correct. So, And I feel like that is very comforting mm-hmm. when I remember that. So I'm like, okay, it doesn't mean we're headed back forever. We can still move forward. Right. And also, it's if there's any silver lining out of all of this in this current presidency, it's that it's kind of forcing women to realize we need to band together and we are stronger together. And women, especially white women, need to stand up for all women. And minorities and black women and disabled women. And we need to just remember that it's not just us. Because if we stand up for every woman, we stand up for ourselves too. Absolutely. Was that both your personal answer and your general answer? <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, so what are your favorite parts of being a woman? My vagina. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> 
talked about vaginas on the show in a while. <laughs> Not enough. Um, what do I like about being a woman? I don't know because I've never been a man. But. Um, but you've been a woman creating for life, 30 years. <laughs> creating life is kind of like you feel like a superhero. Yeah, that's awesome. Because you're like, bef- before having a child, if you have any like insecurities after you have a child, you're kind of, at least for me, I'm like, this body created life. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And especially I mean, no, if you I like, don't because I've never created life before. <laughs> like if you nurse your child, you're like, I literally am keeping, keeping this child alive yeah. with just my body. That's amazing. To it's think pretty about. empowering. Yeah. Um, even though it's super terrifying and you get very emotional all the time and it's difficult, <laughs> it's also very empowering <laughs> to like be a mom. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably my favorite part. Creating life. No big deal. Creating life. Hashtag creating life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, no big deal. I just created life. So then what are the hardest parts of being a woman? Uh, creating life. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know about ju- just being a woman, but as a person, my hardest part is like maintaining relationships because I get very anxious a lot and in my head a lot and self-doubt and I feel like not good enough for people in my life and I think you just need to remember that you are good enough and you deserve everything that you get and work for and I think that's pretty general as a person I don't know if that's like just women (laughs) yeah I don't I don't know I would say that's probably part of being a human yeah the human life (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know what's hard about being a woman besides like constantly being told you're less than (laughs) I mean that's it right there really Um, who is telling us that ourselves sometimes ourselves sometimes I don't know if like we do that to ourselves like who's telling us but also people do tell us Mm -hmm. let's be real um even just, like, spending time with my grandma lately, I realized, like, how old-fashioned her views are. Um, like, someone came to the house to, like, spray the yard for bugs, and she, like, couldn't go to the door. She was like, I need my husband to go to the door because men talk to the service men, not women. Like, that's how she thinks. Or, like, I'm the one that cooks for men, and I'm the one that does the laundry, and, like... If you can't do those things, you won't find a good husband. And it's, like, not true at all. Right. (laughs) So, but, like, living with that kind of generation and being brought around those kind of people, it's, like, you're literally holding yourself back. Well, I mean, I think you can learn from being around those people what you want and what you don't want. Yeah. And also, like, in that time... It wasn't acceptable to be right. something else. I mean... It kind of still isn't. Because people are like... Like, with motherhood, like, people are like, that should be good enough for you. Like, if you're a woman and you're that, like, yeah. I also want to work full-time because I love my work and I'm fulfilled by my work. Like, people look at you like, what do you mean being a mom's not good enough? Like, they think you're selfish for also wanting a career. Mm-hmm. So I think that's difficult. Who are these people that are saying this to you? Who are these people? (laughs) (laughs) Tell me where they are. 
I don't know. It's just like society. Looks well, you don't have to listen to them. I hear a lot of voices. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm thinking of, like, I don't know, like, like religious sex yep. and, like, you know, uh, some congressman in Texas is, like, tweeting about this. Like, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, like, like random people that right. don't actually count. Right. Or, oh, uh, the white supremacists who recently held a rally. I Them. came across some, like, literature about how women are only meant to be childbearers. Yeah, that's it. So, yeah. So, we recently learned that there are more of those people out there than we originally hoped. Um, yeah, I thought so they were gone. So, there are definitely, I mean, they're, they've been here. Uh, yeah. But there are definitely people out there that, that hold that value, but that doesn't mean that you have to listen, listen to, to it, it or do yeah. it. I think it reminds me, I always think back to, it's actually funny, the first episode with Jen. <laughs> yeah. Um, when she said, I feel like it's hard because women feel that they need to be all things. Mm-hmm. And it's like that constant People say balance. that every episode. <laughs> every episode. Um, where people... Women feel like I have to be able to, like, hold a conversation with men and also cook a dinner and also be a mom and also have a career. And and it's, like, back to figuring out to what actually you want. Mm-hmm. Like I said, well, that was a big part for me is, like, do you actually want a job? Because you can have one if you actually want right. it. Or do you just want to stay home with your daughter? You have to choose what you want and then you have to either be okay with what you choose or you need to be like, I'm not okay with this and then figure out a new plan. Mm -hmm. Because you can't just like let yourself be trapped by your decisions, I guess. Right. And I mean, I don't know, something that I said a couple episodes ago, I think in the episode with Kara, um, I said that women, women can be anything. They can be anything. But women can't be everything at once. And I don't think that, and I think that that's true for anyone. You can't do everything all at the same time. Throughout a lifetime, you can do many things and you can kind of look at, I don't know, I kind of look at, look at it as looking at like a, a groups of years together. For this period of time, right. I'm this. Right. For this period of time, I'm this. Like and, a new chapter. Right, exactly. And I, that's kind of how I've been looking at things, I guess. I think that that's how we need to look at it, but I also think maybe society slash ourselves constantly are telling us that we don't have enough time to do it all. At least motherhood. Right. Where it's like, but also I read lately that like, there's no proof that something about how society constantly is telling us like, you have to have kids before you're 30. Mm Mm-hmm. Because if you wait, it's, it's going to be bad. I thought it's 35. 35. Yeah. Yeah, after 35, it's like mm-hmm. a certain percentage of your eggs or something. But it's like there's plenty of women that are 40 and have children perfectly fine. Well, there is, and I don't know like this exact specific statistics, but there is, are like some risks involved when you get past a certain age. But who tells us these risks? Um, I think science. Men. Tells us that. Healthy men. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I don't think so. I don't, all I know is I read a study where it's like this isn't actually true. Oh, it's just what. I'd like to look at that. It's 
something that society has told us for so many years that we mm-hmm. believe it's true. Like, obviously, you shouldn't be 80 and have, getting pregnant. <laughs> well, you but, like, <laughs> people have children up until 40, and it's completely fine. Right. But they want you to think that you can't. Right. To hold us back. Find this article and show it. me this. <laughs> find it. Because um, I do, I mean, I have, and I, again, I don't have, like, the proof in front of me, but I know that there are, I, I've heard that there are some risks when you get yes. past a certain age. But I do know that there are people that, like you said, who have right babies at, like, over 40 and they're fine. Right. I just don't like that men can have all the time in the world. I, you're telling me. Preaching to the choir. Mm-hmm. All right, so we're going to move into stories of subversion. Um, and so I picked this particular woman for stories of subversion uh, because this is we're recording this um, a couple days after the eclipse the other day that swept the United States. Um, so I wanted to well, what, I wanted to talk about a woman in science, a woman in space, and I just really want to emphasize science because the other day I watched, well, I didn't watch the eclipse. I watched it through one of those cereal box things. Um, and I was with, you know, three other really intelligent women, all who are educators. And we just like, didn't know that much about the eclipse. We didn't really know who to believe in terms of like what we could look at and what we couldn't look at and how we could look at it. And I just, you know, if there are four smart women sitting around, not really knowing that, I think it's important for us to know more about science. Correct. So, um, I'm going to talk about May C. Jemison. She was the first African-American female astronaut. Um, and in 1992, she flew aboard the Endeavor on mission STS-47, um, to earn this title as the first African-American female astronaut in space. Um, so she achieved a lot during her lifetime and I, um, I mean, it's a very long list of all the things that she did, so I'm just going to kind of give you, like, the abridged version of it. Um, She went to Stanford on a National Achievement Scholarship, um, and she actually went to school to become a doctor, an MD. And I always find it very interesting, people's pathways to being an astronaut, because I feel like a lot of the time it isn't, like, this linear, like, oh, I went to school for aeronautical engineering and then became an astronaut. I feel like astronauts often do other things that are not like, directly related to being an astronaut. And so that's exactly what Macy Jemison did. She um, traveled, she joined the Peace Corps and traveled to areas like Sierra Leone and um, Liberia and worked there with, um, as a doctor, as I said. Um, And then she applied to the astronaut training program, um, and she was admitted on June 4th, 1987. Um, Unfortunately, it took a little while for her to get accepted because that was... Um, 1986, I believe, was the year of the Challenger explosion, um, and so there was a little bit of a delay in getting um, people into the program after that. Um, but she was one of 15 candidates out of 2,000, which I found really amazing. Um, and so she actually had the title on the mission um, as the science mission specialist. And so basically she was responsible for conducting experiments on the shuttle in relation to the humans that were on board. And basically she um, did experiments on things like weightlessness and motion sickness um, 
and she was in space for more than 190 hours and came back to Earth on September 20th, 1992. Um, and so now I think she's about 60 years old. Um, after she returned, I think that she worked at Dartmouth for a while, and um, she's just been given so much recognition and so many honors, and I just think that's really awesome to be the first African-American female in space. So that is May C. Jemison. Sorry, that was a really abridged version of that, but um, I recommend going to find out more about her. You know what I always think about when people say the first? What? Am I allowed to talk right now? Yeah. What? Um, <laughs> what? Is we'll that... Oh. Um, <laughs> whenever I hear, like, the first of anything, I mm-hmm. just think about how many people must have told her, well, no one's ever done that. Yeah. You can't do that. And I'm like, that's even more empowering. Absolutely. Because I don't think, first. I think if people were like, well, you can't do that because no one's ever done it. I'd be like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but like, think about how many like people must have said that to her or like, well, you're a woman, so you can't do that. Or you're African-American, so you can't do that. And she was just like, too bad. I'm doing it. And she persisted. <laughs> it's impressive. <laughs> Real impressive. Well, Jessica, is there anything you want to add today? Uh, good job. <laughs> uh, good job. Uh, I just think more women should be okay with whatever they decide, and if they don't want to be a mom, that should be fine. And if you do want to be a mom to one child, that's fine. If you want to have ten children, that's fine. As long as you're a good mom or a good human. There you go. You heard it here first. Yep. All right, well, thanks for being with us here in Womankind, episode 15. Remember, check out our Facebook page, our Instagram, our website, womankindpodcast.com. Email us at womankindpodcast at gmail.com. And we'll talk to you next time.